Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always Elaine and with me, a, a person, a human being, we swear. Hello, I am Elon Slayer. I am not Chinese. What is happening? Why are you being racist? I was being a bot. Are bots Chinese generally? I don't think that bots have a nationality. I guess Russian would have fit there better. Yeah, Chinese does come off a little racist. Sorry, you don't live in America where everyone just presumes that if you disagree with them and they're a liberal, they accuse you of being Russian. Oh, what time zone is it in Moscow where you're posting? That's real. That's a thing that happens. That's a great way to open this episode about a really good record. Oh yeah, we we love this record, both of us. I bought this three tracks in. Today we're talking about uh, While of Unsound Mind by the band Nouns, who have been making um, poster core since like 2013, I believe, was their debut. debut. Um, Their record last year was okay, but this rules. This is one of my albums of the year. This is like... They, they they just woke up one day and and said, let's do everything on a record. Let, let's just do everything. All of the music in one record. This is also one of the weebiest things we've ever covered. This samples no less than three different animes that I could catch. As for all the good records, I'm gonna be very sleepy and not have a lot to talk about because we're at our best when we make fun of things, but let's get... Don't worry. There's nothing wrong with having a quick end-of-year episode. We can just pretend we recorded this one on Christmas week. Isn't it Christmas week technically? Christmas week starts tomorrow. Oh, I just realized that literally next Sunday will be Christmas. Whoops. I completely forgot that, just like I forgot my birthday until, like, a week ago. Uh, it's fine. I'm stranded in the UK, so my Christmas will mostly be, like, playing video games alone. <laughs> so, you know... What if I make sure something shows up at your doorstep on Christmas? Um, uh, I, I would like to not be assassinated, so no thanks. What? No, it's just going to be like, you open the door, and there's a suspiciously bald UPS guy with a tattoo on his neck, and he hands you a package, and he walks away, and then 30 minutes later the rubber duck explodes. Oh, okay, that's much better. Yeah. I would, still, I would still prefer not to be assassinated. I, I would like to choose the way and method in which I go. Well, it's whenever you decide to squeeze the duck. <laughs> squeeze the duck just sounds like an euphemism for dying, to be fair. It's true. But like something that like an old-timey detective in like a 50s movie would use. I don't know about this, Sam. I'm not sure when he squeezed the duck, but I'm pretty sure it was before last week. Exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, um, there's not a lot of history. Well, there is a lot of history, but I'm not aware of it. I, I <laughs> mostly know nouns from... Like, they've been making music since 2013. I haven't listened to it. I've listened to the record that they released last year, which was good, although not my favorite thing ever. Um, and this one is great. So, you know, that that is my personal history with the band nouns. Um, do you have any research? Do, do you want to tell us about um, the history... Mentioned on Genius, Fable. Okay. I will simply quote the band's artist bio, which reads, Arkansas. And we can all agree with that. Five people did. It got upvotes. Let's go to the first track, Interlude. <laughs>
So, here's the thing. When I saw a track that started with the word interlude as the first, I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a very short intro piece. No, it's four minutes and 37 seconds and it's a full-ass song. Yeah, there's like an intro and then there's a song going with it. Also, a lot of this record, especially for the, for the song title, does feel like an incredibly high-effort shitpost. Like, yeah, it opens with a track named Interlude. Sure, the joke is that it's an intro, but it's an interlude. It's also like a full song. Who knows? It's a fantastic record. It also sometimes feels like the highest effort shitpost ever. Because they put a lot of effort in this record. There's like strings and saxophones and like 20 different people played instruments on it. But it still has track, like, it still has like things like the opening track being named Interlude. So you know. And something we should mention is. Mm -hmm. I feel like because we both usually have Genius open for this, we can discuss the lyrics, but they're almost unrecognizable on 90% of the tracks. Yes, it's very shouted, even for the standards of the genre. Like, it, sometimes it borderlines in, like, death metal growling, and other times it's just screamo, and you, you can't make up any of this most of the time. And... and Unless in the parts when they actually sing, because there are parts where they actually sing. Yeah, there's one we think, short duet. There's a there's a little ballad, but there's also parts where they like they do like the the singer has like this weird like l very low voice, and sometimes mm -hmm. he just like sings cleanly in some bits or as cleanly as you can sing on a record like this, which is very interesting. So there are like small bits when you can pick that up, and like small outros with like chanting. But most of the time, the lyrics are, like, a, a, a mush. Some of them are good. Like, especially, like, this first track is incredibly haunting, lyrically. Not that you would pick up any of it, but it's good. Well, something that hits for me on this, and I thought it might have just been compression, but no, even when I bought the album, the same thing was happening. It's... The lyrics will be added to a layer of distortion, which is on so many of these tracks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're backgrounded behind the instruments. It is deliberately made hard to hear what is coming through from the voice. Yeah, the whole record sounds like sandpaper. Not With like something that has been sandpapered, like sandpaper itself. Yes. And yet... There will also just randomly be very clear samples from anime. Yes. Of course. Why not? We're That's all weebs here. We are like the anime. Sable more than me. Sable is a professional weeb. I, I, I literally am. I'm just a casual weeb, and Sable's a professional weeb. Yeah, you're, you would be an amateur weeb, and I am professional. Fair enough. That's the technical distinction. So it takes about a minute to kick in on interlude and then turns into a uh, loud screaming noise. But there's a little woodwind behind it in a strange stream, which is very JRPG. Yeah. And from that, it goes into a real prog vibe out the gate. You pointed out that there are actually people playing the electric organ on this album and on a variety of tracks. But before you found that, I definitely wondered if they weren't just sampling uh, Brain Salad Surgery by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, because it has a lot of the same style of play on a few tracks. Yeah, later there's like a really big bit of organ. Um, this one less. I described a lot of uh, the sound on the back end of this as some uh, media scent. Mm -hmm. But it might have been at the start of that guitar. That's the problem with this record. You don't always know. It's like, are they using synths or is this just the guitar being very weird? Oh, I definitely um. have some question marks on uh, a few notes. <laughs> Chip tunes on the back half? A lot of this song also reminds me in some of the tracks on here uh, of another album that I would recommend from this year, which is Island by Asuno Jokei, which I probably butchered the the pronunciation of, which is um, J-Rock mixed with Black Gaze band that released a really good album this year called Island. 
And they sort of have the same feeling, except with less black gazy influences, that where they have this really big, like, screaming, and the, the guitar is going, and the drum is going, and they have, but done in this, like, rising, almost pop motion. Like, there's this rising, like, epic anime intro kind of vibe to it sometimes, which I think is really good. Uh, it's really good. It's good. This is noisy and it's frantic at the end. There's lots of there's lots of screaming and um, good lyrics if you can make them up. <laughs> and this track plays into the next one. We will never surface. Uh, on Spotify, all of the tracks and the title of the record is in all caps. So please shout the title of the song. We will never surface. this continues the previous track and again this is more the lyrics are more readable at the beginning of this because it's this weird dramatic like groveling singing which is very post-punk like this sounds something that would be like on a lurid song from the 70s mm-hmm. and then it goes into like a very dramatic extended post-rock bit with strings or yes. synths or a guitar this this is a cool like it's this is an ending to interlude really, but it's really cool. It's that's good. Uh, it is violin on this track, according to yes. the notes. Yeah, the, I I really love the singing on this. It it feels like someone who is having like diarrhea, but like in a cool way. <laughs> well. it, it sounds it sounds painful. Is what I'm trying to say. And given that I've had like food poisoning last week, that's my first point of comparison. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I have some of that in recent memory, so I understand. Uh, This song has a great texture to it. Uh, You mentioned the strings in the background and how this is a very post-rock track. Uh, I feel this is like an underwater depression. Especially with the muddled way the lyrics come through. And both Interlude and We Will Never Surface are a discussion of... They're kind of linked together, unlike a lot of other things, especially flowing together. But it starts with waiting for a call, getting drunk, getting angry at family, and then, okay, well, great. Nobody's going to talk to me. Well, now I just want to die. I'm just going to drive off into the night. I hope that I burn to death before I feel it. All kinds of rage and suffering and self-destructive tendencies. Ending with a chant of, why don't I feel? Mm-hmm. The ending sounds like Mogwai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Mogwai. Which I feel is a controversial statement, because they put out, like, 40 records a year, and, like, 30 of them are bad. Um, I still like Mogwai. They've done some good shit. Look, everyone has a rough day. It's just, Mogwai turns their rough days into albums. Monthly. Do you want to go to Sentai Quarry, which is a, the banger of the record? It even has a video. Oh, I didn't see a video for this.
Okay. Okay. Wow. There's a lot to unpack in the first 10 seconds. A, the channel this is on, I have to find out if this is the actual... Yeah, I guess this is the actual guy in the band. The the channel is just named Hunter Hunter Zazenbo. The icon is a picture of one of the characters from uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist, yes, I recognize that. Within the first 10 seconds, it's playing the intro to King of Fighters 2002. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, 98. It just flashed 98. I mixed up my two dream matches. And now I have to turn this down if I'm going to hear you while I talk about it. And... Wow. This is some... Uh... Okay, so we'll get to the song discussion in a minute, but this video... There's a former podcast I used to do, and while I was on it, I was kind of making it as aggressively unlistenable as possible. <laughs> and okay. part of that is that every week when I uploaded the new episode, I would make sure to run the art for it through a glitch filter that was online, which would just RNG out of whatever their current site seed was some horrible distortions. And that's what I'm seeing over this as everything is tilted at 73 degrees. And now there is just an eyeball running through a field. Mm -hmm. And yes. it's uh, it's bloody. Uh, a lot of this, uh, this, this video is eyeball-based, yes. But there are also random video game sprites and footage thrown in here. Mm-hmm. That's a good, it's a good video. It's funny. I, I don't know what the, the people in the video. I don't know if they're from the band because they look very young. And I don't think they're the band nouns, but I wouldn't know. Some of these are definitely, hey, this is home video footage of members of the band because the same kids are showing up. Yeah, fair. It, it, okay, that's, that's literal Sentai footage in the middle. Okay. Uh, I can't identify the series because I was always more of a writer girl, but, you know, I definitely recognize the actress. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the name of the song is Sentai Quarry, which I assume is a joke about most Sentai shows being shot in, like, a rock quarry. Uh, when you do the big final battles, you will usually use the quarry or the yaoi beach because you can do explosions there for big effects. Yeah, now there's just a variety of footage in the Sentai Quarry from about 17 different series. This is pretty good. Uh, this is the first overt weeb reference I can pick out on the album, by the way. I wonder about the last track, but I couldn't make it click. And this is uh, the only single that there was off the record that I could find. It's quite good. It's the most commercial thing they show. That's the Giver. That's literally the Giver right now. Um... It's the most commercial thing on here. That's not a bad thing. It's just that it's... I imagine if you bought the record based on this, you would be in for a very strange time, because it cuts back a lot of the excess on other tracks. I like this song, though. Like, I get what you're saying. It's very different from anything else. But this song's rules. This is a banger. This is just like... It feels like... It feels like an early 2010 uh, Inditronica track. Mm -hmm. um, but done with a bunch of distorted guitar instead of electronics. Like the, the, the riff. That sounds like something that you would say. Here in those in one of those like bit poppy like electronica tracks from the early 2010, except that it's like incredibly messy and noisy and it's so good. Yeah, and the end of this video actually uh, clarifies one of my notes where I described the noodling as going number station on the guitar, but no, it looks like they are actually just screwing around, swinging around a Casio keyboard, and that's what's coming out. That's probably my top song of the record, which is weird because it doesn't sound a lot like the rest of the record, but it's such a good song. And again, there's like some almost clean singing at the end. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the fun, the really fun fun. loops um, which features um, features Mannequin Republic which is apparently a post-hardcore band from Maine which by the way the, the, their name they've taken it from another driving song good good taste um, and also apparently feature what I assuming is the rapper on the song which is a futureless exclamation point but it, you can only see that in the in the Bandcamp credits, not in the featuring. There, the, there's a Japanese rapper on the song, which is like great. Yep, that's good. It samples something that I could not place at the start. Uh, did you pick it out? Uh, let's see. I don't recognize samples. I'm better recognizing samples again here. I can listen to it. I don't know what this is now. Okay, it's it's very muffled. It's very distorted. That's what makes picking out a lot of these hard, unless I already had a way to zoom in on it because the name was a reference where I could go, ah, yes, it's this anime, and then figure it out from there. But, uh, yeah, it's got some kind of stample at the start. Again, uh, Futurelist, Japanese rapper, takes over for a few verses. And then after he's done, the middle of the track sounds like cars squealing and burning out in some kind of battle. Uh, It has this two tracks jam together syndrome between the guest vocalists and the grunting with feedback loops. And then the outro goes into an upbeat fusion of the pair, which is uh, a nice vibe. It's this song. This song is good. It's again, it's again, big big turn from the previous song this is goes back to being like really messy and hard with like incredibly heavy guitar to open the song into the high cut collective vocal that you were mentioning and then it goes into into rap which is like yeah great yeah feedback loops curious creative decision i don't it's not a top 3 for me it's not bad this is as i said uh, between Sentai Quarry and Feedback Loops is where I bought the record and just started listening to it from there. But it's it, it's a little strange that in the end, the rest of the album really trumped this for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, Feedback Loops, that happened. I like Feedback Loop again. I, yeah, I, I liked I, it I, enough I, that it instantly sold me. It's just so much more of the rest of this was better to me. It, it, well, it goes to a lot of different places, so it makes sense that you might like some places more than the other. Mm-hmm. This is very close to another. This song specifically is very close to another record that we'll have. I think this is the last record the Monter will do, which is the Mitsunaru Inu record. It does have that rap together with um, the big noisy distortion. It does have that kind of like almost Harunemuri kind of feel to it. It's good. It ends in like this big, like it, it, it's a very structured song for the first half, and then it goes into like everything, and then they just start throwing things at the microphone. <laughs> Where the second half is just like a mess, like good, but it's a mess. It's just like all of the guitars are going off, the the the, the wind instruments are going off, everything is going off all at once. And then there's this really good ending where everything stops for a second and then all of the mess comes back, but with a melody. And I think that's, a, that's such a smart composition there. It's just like, we have this really messy bit and then it's almost like we stop for a second and we've ordered it and now it's like way more melodic. Like it's still, everyone's singing in falsetto, it's still a bit of a mess, 
but it sounds like a song at the end. And it's like, ooh, that's good. That's such a good bit of composition there. Let's go to Amrita, Am- Amita, Amita Drive. Amita Drive. it would be Amida Drive because this is a Eureka 7 reference and that's what the sample is by the end of it. Okay. Uh, this features a South, South Korean uh, emo sensation Parano. There's a big South Korean emo scene and they're literally collaborating with everyone this year. Um, it's great. They've, the Parano and other artists like Asian Glow and some other people have been making like a couple of really good emo records during the last couple of years. And this year it feels like the year where they've literally collaborated with every artist ever. Uh, so Paranol is in this. If you want to hear other great collaboration records, listen to Weather Glow. And that's my album of the year. It's not we're not gonna talk about it this month because I feel we wouldn't have a, had a lot of to say, especially because it's a really short EP. Mm-hmm. But go listen to Weather Glow, everyone who's listening to this. It, it's good. It's so good. It's such a good record. I will second that. So good. Uh, anyhow, this song, it has Paranul on it. Paranul is good. I like Paranul. Uh, this feels more like a Paranul song than a noun song. It's way chiller. Yeah, it has a very downbeat start and comes off like a dirge with occasional screams of torment behind it. There's very haunting echoes over all of the vocalists, because there are multiple. Uh, There's also Asami. I was expecting that when you have a South Korean emo artist on here, you're going to have the foreign language be Korean. No, Asami just suddenly starts doing Japanese in the middle of the track, a little before the I don't know if they're chiptunes come in. They're they're all weebs. Like Paranul, half of the Paranul record from last year was an Evangelion reference. (laughs) They're, They're weebs. We're all weebs here. It's fine. It's cool. Well, if there's ever a series to reference, if you're trying to get music cred, Eureka 7 is definitely the one, because it's a series where all of the tech is named after synthesizers and house music, and the entire thing is that we need to get along and the robots are powered by vibes. That's not a joke. Okay, fair enough. I only watch good anime, so I wouldn't know. What have you been watching this season? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the joke. That's (laughs) the joke. Somebody just leapt onto rakes. That's the joke. You can find Elliot ACC the Moon on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't watched any anime in forever. Yeah. Yeah, saying that let's you only what, watch the good anime what, is just shooting yourself in the foot right now. Oh, the last thing that I watched was Princess Jellyfish, Kurahageime. That was good. Yep. I also watched three episodes of Little Witch Academia. I keep debating whether I want to try that. Eh, fine. It's like, fine, I don't care. <laughs> I own the video game, so... <clears throat> It's one of the things where it's like, oh, this is cute, this is fine. I also, like, incredibly don't care on episode three. It's like, it's good. I don't care. I also yep. watch Megalobox 2. That one was good. Oh, yeah, Megalobox rules, and Nomad was a good Me- second season. Well, Megalobox 1 is, like, old-school sports anime, which is great. And then Megalobox 2 is, like, incredibly depressing. <laughs> 
Like, so like, is oh, Megalobox. You what? So is Box though. I don't think the first one is that, that depressing. The first one feels like like a old school like sports anime homage, which is sort of depressing, but it's also like you know, it's beating the odds, being good at sports, punching good. Um, okay, but the multiple people is... in Megalobox get their dreams <clears throat> destroyed. Fair enough, but you still get the main sports narrative going, where it's like, it's still, like, sort of cool. Box 2 is incredibly depressing from the start. I guess. I don't know, it feels, I I like both of them. Like, I'm not criticizing criticizing them, I really like both of them. It definitely felt like Nomad was more of a shift into, like, oh, this is very depressing now. I guess I just find leveling that against one and not the other to be a little odd. Fair enough. I, I mean, I like Nomad more than the first one. I think Nomad is really good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a criticism. It's like, it's, like, it's really depressing. It's good. Bearded Joe it's... is hot as hell, so. Sure. Why not? One thing I'm learning is that I think I just have a thing for certain types of beard. I think you have a thing for horrible human beings. <laughs> What? No, I like Gabe Newell. Is he good? He's rich. He's probably not a good person. Well, when it comes time, I will do the crying Tony Hawk meme and we'll <laughs> go against, we'll put him against the wall, but we have many bigger targets before we get to Gabe Newell. And our next target is the rest of you. Ha! The song. Great quick. <laughs> uh, the rest of you is just loud and aggressive out the door, all screams and speed. It's the shortest track on the record. Yeah, that's good. Uh, this is where my note starts, like, the wavering a bit, just because, like, there's a lot happening on this record, and it's difficult to keep track of. I can say that everything that is happening is very good, but also this record is an hour and about... 120 musical ideas so like at some point my brain gets overloaded and I'm not really keeping track of all of the shit but it's good <laughs> it's definitely hard to discuss a barely over 90 second track that is all loudness and aggression and distortion the voice here does almost like a this is the track where I was saying does almost like a death metal growl which is Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the next song, which is a bit longer. It's Grimmer Heat Haze, which is the one with the organ and the new metal vocal. Imagine new metal psychedelia. <laughs> Unconvinced that this is not a reference to the series Monster. Okay. Mostly also. because of the track 10 title, which is a definite monster reference, but it's a referencing a character named Wolfgang Grimmer, who does spend a time walking through a desert at one point, so kinda thinking that's where this one's going. Doesn't have any samples on it that I could pick out, though. Fair enough. 
I, I, I watched a bit of the monster anime and it felt very much like they were adapting a very dense manga without adapting it. Yeah, it was definitely not an adaptation so much as just using the manga as storyboards faithfully. Oh no, it felt like the opposite to me. Like it, f yeah, it felt like this is a very dense manga, and like a good adaptation will like condense a lot of shit down. And it was, yep. the anime was just like endless dialogue, and it's like this doesn't, this doesn't work in like cinematic form. <laughs> It's definitely a show that probably should have been around 50 episodes instead of 74, yes. Yeah, fair enough. And I say that as someone who loves the series. I, I, I it, it looks good, like, the manga looks good. It's something that if I ever feel in the mood of reading something like that, I would definitely read. It's just, I just don't think I can watch the anime, it's just, I don't think it's a good adaptation, because it's not adapting it, it's just, like, literally putting the, all of the text on screen. Yep. However, if you are confused or curious about this based on our descriptions, uh, it is good, and it is coming back to Netflix and a lot of streaming on January 1st, so give Monster a try. It is basically Anime the Prisoner. Don't give money to Netflix. Look, I don't give a shit. Steal it. There hasn't been an official release of this series in complete ever in the West. Yeah, look, look I'm just saying. Don't, don't give money to fucking Netflix. It sucks! Netflix sucks right now. You don't you don't even get like you know, you, you have sometimes the excuse, oh I'm giving money to this company, but at least I get a good service, and you don't even get that with Netflix. Netflix sucks right now. Ellie, 90% of our listeners who have a Netflix account are borrowing it from a parent. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyhow, this track goes back to the proggy style of the opening tracks. Uh guitar and organ sounds behind it. There's a lot packed into it. At one point, I looked over at it thinking it was nearly done. Now it was only two and a half minutes in. <laughs> yeah, it also to note, aside from two tracks on this record, these tracks are not long. They just fit a lot of shit into very short periods of time. Yeah. Like, this are, most of them are like four-minute tracks. That's like a five-minute track, a six-minute track. Only the, only the ninth and last tracks are like long tracks. Like, 10 and 9 minutes. Um, yeah. But a lot of these tracks are very short. They just, like, fit a lot of things in it. They don't... They almost never dwell on, like, an idea for more than, like, a minute and a half. They're, like, they do a thing. Like, this track, this song starts with um organ, like, psychedelic organ playing under uh, new metal, almost, like, shouted, almost rap lyrics. And then it moves on and does a different thing for the next minute. Mm -hmm. And then it moves on again. And like it, it, it in the middle there's like some falsetto bit and some melodic bit and it keeps doing different things. And uh, they drop a random earthbound reference in the center of the song, just for the hell of it. Okay. Uh here I am just as the runaway five stuck in place. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yep. Very good. Again. It's hard to pick these out, but if you're actually looking at the lyrics, it's real clear. And if you pick up on the references, it's even more apparent. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it has an odd outro, but again, this is probably one of the most conventional tracks on the record. I feel like if they were going to do a second single, this would be where they went with it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it again has the organ that feels very Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And the outro sounds like a children's choir chanting behind thrashy drumming. That's fair. I'm listening to it right now. Yes, you're correct. That's a good outro. Yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the good thing about this record. You don't listen to it and you keep picking up and shed. It's like, oh, that's a good outro here. No, I cannot stress enough. Love this record. That's good. Let's go to the next track, which is another short track, Murami, which sort of flows seamlessly from this one.
this field, Maromi feels very paranoid, even though paranoid isn't on it, except that it's incredibly loud. It's like they took a paranoid track with that kind of rising tension and like emo feeling and went like, what if we're like really, really loud on this track? And it's like, it's very unique. <laughs> it's very unique. It sounds good. It's uh, almost relentless to a point. Uh, Moromi is a paranoia agent reference. It is a mascot character in the world of the show. The sample at the start of this definitely comes from that. And it's very quiet for 30 seconds or so. And then the last 90 seconds are all noise and screeches. It is the most aggressive thing on the album. It's the third shortest track, and I'm kind of grateful for that. This is a track I'm going to skip over in future. I like this track, though, because it's, like, noises and screeches, but, in like, in this rising emo motion of, like, melody. It's, like, noises and screeches, but in major chords. There's a certain threshold, and I've never been able to pinpoint it, but it's if you push a little too hard into the aggression. And I say this as someone who loves GABA, who loves noise, but if you just lean a little too hard on that knob it becomes oppressive for me in a way that is painful. This track crossed that line for me. Fair enough. I like this. I like the, the incredibly distorted singing on it. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. Uh, black dresses is one of the other things that I'll call out for having that same effect on me often. And then we go to, honestly, maybe my top track for the record, Lemurian yes. Hyperstition, which is a 10-minute suit of everything. That's everything. It starts with, like, two minutes of noise ambient, and then it goes into, like, this very long, dramatic post-rock, mm -hmm. and it has, like, a running theme that's, like, a little melody that gets repeated, like, in different styles through the song, which is very good. There's rules. They're like the, the longest track on the record for like 11 minutes almost. Yes. 1056. And that's good. It's maybe one of the best things on the record. Uh, I don't know if the name is an anime reference specifically, but uh, Lemuria is considered to be one of those lost continents like Mu, Atlantis, etc. And a hyperstition is one of those things that comes out of people trying to make new words for the future, but basically it is a term for like a self-fulfilling prophecy or ideas that become dominant in a culture. So the idea of a Lemurian hyperstition would just be to have this fate continent become reality somehow. Okay. The, is, Lem is, is, is Lemuria connected to the animal, the lemur? No. Okay, that's sad. Yeah. Like, but if you have Lemuria in fiction, it should be inhabited by little lemurs. You would probably not love the way it appears in Terranigma, then. Fair enough. I haven't played Terranigma. I should. It's very good. I know. I know. It doesn't have little lemurs in it, apparently, though. Um, I think it might actually at one point. Okay. You are on the African savanna for a long stretch of that game. Fair enough. So this track starts out with very analog tech. A dot matrix printer, modem screeches, other distorted sounds that I wondered if one wasn't like a hard drive writing, a platter drive. Very good. And then it goes 
from ambient into a more 80s goth style. Violin behind occasional screams. Uh, the lyrics on this portion being consume my fucked up life, consume my felt all face. Log me in, take my head in, make me write blessed blue light. Very good. And then we go back to a slower sound at seven minutes. It's drawn out horns and silence. And everything until the outro after that is a more radio heady track. Just a full prog synth work. It's almost a solo, if not for the drums. I love this track. Very good. It, it, it is very good. Like, number one with a bullet. It's, for me, it's between this and Sentai uh, Quarry. For different reasons. Like, it's one, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I really like both of these tracks, and both of these tracks are, like, top, but, like, for very different reasons. Like, Sentai Quarry is, like, incredibly fun, and Lemurian Hyperstation is, like, incredibly moody and uh, dramatic. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Lemurian Hyperstition is a full half of a record flip it over when you're done prog suite it's great yeah and then we go through what uh i was googling uh because you told me it's another monster reference and i was like googling and falling into a wiki hole about this uh magnificent steiner So, this one is a much darker monster reference, uh, and there's some references to dissociation and other things on this record, along with, obviously, Wall of Unsound Mind conjures up images of mental illness. Uh, the Magnificent Steiner was a cartoon that a young German boy in a horrible, like, straight-up neo-Nazi experiment post-war latched onto and fixated into and it's the character he thinks of whenever he goes into a full dissociation and murders folks uh it's it's displayed very disturbingly because there's a lot of death in monster it is a series about a serial killer and a manhunt but the magnificent steiner sequences are a man has literally beat everyone around him to death and is covered in blood but it's not his uh this song is probably second but like after the shared top of uh Santa quarry and lamuna position this song is probably my second favorite on here i agree it's so good um starts again with this really dark or uh, dark ambient intro with like a lot of like distortion and like odd noises and then it goes into like this track that is like some low-key singing over some really great saxophone playing in the guitar. And it's like, this is really good. This is like, it, again, it feels like it com sort of comes from another album because it's very saxophone heavy. It's almost like a, you know, jazz rock track. Uh, and it has like this odd offbeat melody. It's so good. And it ends almost, like it starts with doing this all very dramatic, like, a uh, very low-key jazzy thing. Mm -hmm. And the second half is space rock, because why not? The f second half sounds like Magstar. Oh, see, I put it as a loud devil ska. Okay, I, 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 it sounds like space rock to me. It sounds like, you know, Magstar and all those bands, all those, like, jam bands. Uh, and there's also a bit of, like, chanting at the end, where they repeat, I'm getting older, and it shows, and it almost becomes, like, weird folk. So yeah, it's a three-part track, really, or, more, or like a four-part track, as most of the tracks on this are. And none of the parts are really good on this one. Like, yeah. this, uh, it's great. This is very strong. Yeah, it's got 
about a two minute intro. And this is one of the longer tracks, about seven minutes. But the it's instrumental until two minutes or so. Then it becomes incredibly horn driven. Uh, last week when we were talking about uh, the Deer Hunter, I mentioned how I like prog some of the stuff on a rock album, a concept album to be done, designed for the performance. I mentioned the Proto Men. On that one, I mentioned their second album. This sounds like some of their first album stuff with the horn and the aggressive lyrics with a groovy kind of sound to it, except... Uh, this would be the death of Proto-Man that we're hearing here. And then it does turn into, yeah, a jam band groovy sound, that sort of devil ska with the aggressive horns. Before a creepy banjo outro where the banjo drops and the folk song the folk presentation lyrics that Ellie mentioned are getting louder and almost clipping at parts. It's aggressive. Yeah, I mean, all of this record's aggressive. If there is one adjective that consistently consistently describes this record as very aggressive. Uh, overall, but that one just feels... Okay, this is an aggressive track in places, but that one feels more malicious than just energetic. Also, hey, there's, a, uh, there's an Avatar reference on this song. So the first one since uh, 2011. Good wait, job, wait, James wait, Cameron. wait, wait. James Cameron Avatar or yes. uh, Nickelodeon Avatar? Watching okay. Navi win Stockholm. Okay. Although it does occur to me looking at the next line. God damn it. I hate that I know that's a Dota reference. I don't know anything about Dota. Or loser's bracket mango with a zero. So it's like, yeah, wait, shit, that's... That's motherfucking Dota teams. Okay. I'm glad that I don't know this. So this starts like this starts again with sort of like dissonant jazzy intro. It almost starts like a black midi song, and then it goes into like maybe the most like conventional emo song of the record. Like it has this big jazz intro, and then it goes into like a very almost like the, the most like structured like post-hardcore emo song of the record. We just get it's fine. I just don't have a lot to say. It's like a lot of shouting in a very post-hardcore emo way. So this is a, a challenging song because... It has flute in it. Yes. An Italian person plays it. it it's a very prog organ behind guitar, the woodwinds coming in near the end. But it has a structure that's hard to describe because for two-thirds of it, it never quite leaves that original prog pattern, but it's not sticking to the same instruments. They're keeping the same beat, but they're changing what's playing it. And the vocals clash with it because they're getting louder and more harsh over time. The guitar strumming becomes more jagged. And the last third finally breaks from this, but by then it's lured me in with the vocals and the whole thing is just like this rope around my neck waiting to get to the end. Okay. That's a very grim way to describe anything. I love it, though. It's good. It's not one of my favorite songs, but it's good. I don't think this record has a bad song for me. This is, like, solid throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Coma Wall Zone of Avoidance is the last... I think it's the last standard song on the record. The last two are a little odd. Mm -hmm. And the next one is a little piano ballad. Let's talk about uh, the title track, While of Unsound Mind. As, 
it's just it's just a little piano ballad with a female singer on it. Uh, that is the vocalist's mother. Oh, nice. Yes, that's why she's <laughs> so credited that's, as Ma. That's very cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's incredibly cute for this record. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, this, this is, is a good, good little track. I don't know if it is necessarily a good song, but it works in the context of the record of just being like this weird, not even two minutes piano ballad in it. So, here's the thing. On the last three or four tracks, there has been this constant mention of blue light escaping to blue light, lit by blue fire. And on this track, you get very soft piano, vocals from the mother, and then the usual vocalist comes in and it's a soft duet of spoken singing. Nothing on it but a soft piano behind it. This is what any other band would call an interlude instead of the first track. No distortion, no anger. And what we get is lines that recontextualize a lot of things right before the final track. My dad carrying me back to bed. I fell asleep. The blue light in the room replaced real memory. What do I do when the place I escape to becomes all that's left of memory? So every one of those things about I'm getting older, thinking about that blue light, like the folk stuff at the end of Magnificent Steiner, all of that has been talking about a nightlight that the kid had in his room. Fair enough. I I didn't follow the the lyrics this closely to recognize this, but it's very cool. Well, that's part of why the final song kicks me Let's talk about to see the other song. I didn't read the lyrics for this one, so please go for it. Go go, go and explain this. Okay. So, uh, it's got a quiet opening with a digitized guitar strumming up and down over it. When it kicks off, it has a very Beastie Boys sound with a lot of editing and scratching, distortion on. Uh, it, it feels kind of like So What You Want, but with a filthier distortion on the vocals. Very deep bass behind this. And then somewhere in the middle, it just becomes this scream of loss. And at about 5 and 30, the lyrics become very clear, and the bass gets slow, and it's like 80s alt-rock. And it's just... It is straight up the same pattern and cadence as institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. If you don't know it, you might have heard it in passing. It's the, I just wanted a Pepsi, but she wouldn't get it for me, etc. And the last lines, like the, the scream is, give me back the few moments worth holding, unscreen my mind's eye, the soaring of my old self, unplug my fingers from you, wave goodbye with soaring eyes. And... The part where it becomes institutionalized, like that I mentioned, is very clear. It's easy to understand. And it's talking about, as I move forward, what is there forgetting? What will dull? What slips away? And these are all childhood memories going forward. Riding on Dad's back as he pretends to be a bull. Ma's singing, echoing from down the hall. She's playing Banjo-Kazooie. The short film I made. Meeting my brother, he's wearing a hat. Making Christmas cookies with Nana. And then these start getting darker. Telling Nick goodbye before Afghanistan. Grandma died the next day. Seeing Peepaw and Kit in a cramped cabin. Gary handing me his flask on a snowy day. Holding Bella's lifeless body. Jay got too high the night before his wedding. Jono saves my life. 
We go to the haunted house, listening to Tyrus's dad slip away. My first fight. My last fight. My dad helping his dad get out of bed. The weight of his dad's coffin. And seeing my family in one place once again for the funeral. The the, the funeral part is unspoken, but like, mm-hmm. that's just where all this is. That yeah. last part hit me like a blow to the gut with the escalation. No, that's fair. So yeah, very strong finale. I can't say it's a bad song. It's definitely not the kind of thing that I'm going to just put on for a lark. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's also like the second longest track of the record. It's like a really big skillet. Like there's a little lot of of building up to this. Yeah. Same song, different chorus. So yes, a wonderful record. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is this is that this is the end of the record. Final thoughts. Fucking great. This is good. Like, you, I know this year you tried to go with non-pop punk stuff for your choices for end of year wrap up because you wanted to just discuss something different. But uh, I don't know if you immediately catered these to me, but these last two have been exquisite. Like, this is all in my lane. Thank you. I love this. Sybil, did you forget that we did bets last week? I literally forgot we did bets between (laughs) Deer Hunter and now. Yeah. (laughs) Because you said, like, last week we did Deer Hunter, and I was like, okay, last week can mean, like, a previous week? But no, I think, yeah, you you just forgot. (laughs) I completely forgot the bets album existed. That's my bad. Uh, yes. Uh, no, I'm not specifically catering them to you. This is just, like, stuff. Uh, I mostly selected it, like, in terms of things that we have shit to talk about, because, like, my record of the year is Weatherglow, and it's, like, a 20-minute P, and I don't think there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of content that we could squeeze out there. Uh, I mean, I guess we could have done the Mountain Ghost record, but I don't think anyone needs to, like, hear an hour of me fangirling out of uh, over the Mountain Ghost. Uh, I'm looking right now on my records of the year list because it's like Weatherglow, the the Wonder Years, which we talked about, the Deer Hunter, the Mountain Goats, then there's uh, Tokyo Virus Love Story in Well of Unsound Mind, which we talked about, and yeah. And also, like, we should have had had, uh, the new pop record on this January, but I forgot it existed because it came out, like, really early this January. So it's like, yeah, that would have been cool to talk about, but... That's not there. Uh, but yeah, I'm expecting I'm expecting you to really like one of the next two records and to not like one another one. So this is gonna be interesting. So this was an episode. If you want to find us, you can go and get out of this town. Dot com, which is our website, our wonderful website with things. You can do things on the website, like go on all of the podcast things where we are, where our podcast is, where our podcast things are. If you go on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. No one is doing that. Only one Canadian person that left us a one-star review. But to be fair, like, Sybil does hate Canadian people, so like, yeah, hey, I get it. Hey. I get it. If Did I hate you... any record, if I hate any people, it's Australians. Why? One of them damaged the nerves in my foot. Okay. I mean... I don't think that's a reason to hate all of Australians, but you're allowed to hate that one. I said if I hate any one oh, fair nation, enough, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's it. You can also no. Do you have anything to plug, Sybil? You can find me at my website, hellscaper.com. I write. Yeah, and you can also always find me on Twitter for how long that lasts at ACC the Moon. Uh, or I guess on co-host. I'm actually the moon on co-host. Go there, mm-hmm. maybe. It's better. She upgraded. I, 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 I don't know how to use co-host yet. It, You've been doing it pretty weird. well. No, I'm not. Like, I've done two posts very well. And then, like, uh, 
and I like Twitter and how it's shared. I, well, I good news. Like you'll have Twitter. to you'll have to use Mastodon soon if you like Twitter. I I don't have time to get a PhD, Sybil, and understand Mastodon. All you have to do is sign up once. Once you pick your server, everything's easy. I tried once to get a PhD, and it wasn't fun. Good news. I don't have a PhD, and I can still start up a Mastodon. Well, but you're 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 broken. You're a broken human being. Um, I am. Uh, anyhow, did I tell you that I was debating importing a bunch of bubble bobble stuffed plushes? I mean, that does sound incredibly cute to have. So, like, I, I they are adorable. That. You yeah. could get Bob or Bub. I mean, I yeah, that sounds great. Uh, how expensive would that be? Oh, in my case, this is going to run me $26. Oh, that's, that's a good price. Get them. Okay. That, that, that sounds adorable. Get them. All right. I will buy both Bub and Bob. This is uh, this was an episode. If you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon, but you can send plushies to Sybil. You can. Send me every bit of Taito merch you have. I will do anything for Taito merch anything. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. What's terrifying?